Gascast, a Bristol Rovers fans podcast. Hello and welcome to the final Gascast of the 2018-19 season. While the Gas survived the threat of relegation this season, it's certainly been eventful. From saying goodbye to our double promotion winning manager Daryl Clark to last minute limbs at Plymouth away, we're going to go back over the season and discuss some of the key moments. I'm joined by the usual crew, Tom Metcalf and Max Alderson. Guys, two weeks without Rovers, are you missing it yet? No. <laughs> wow, straight in. I suspected that might be the response, to be honest. No, I'm in that um, like that lull where the season's finished and I'm actually quite glad of it, just like a break. But give it a few more weeks and I'm going to be absolutely desperate for some football. And I feel like I need to describe to everyone that you're sat there, legs apart, you've got your shorts on, you look like you've proper just been out in the... I'm surprised your sunglasses aren't on, to be honest. I'm chilled. It's nice. This just... is what you're like. This is summer, Tom. Yeah, summer, no stress. Tom, like football. Just chilling. Summer Mets, I should say. <laughs> Well, it's, um, it's not like football's over yet either, is it? You know, we've got the playoffs to enjoy, which you can quite enjoy now. We're safe, I think. So maybe more enjoyable with us not in them, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Less stress. Um, let's move on to talking about the season. Lots to talk about. None particularly positive, unfortunately. Um, the first half of the season, we all know, started very poorly and unfortunately led to a great man losing his job. Daryl Clark left the role following an appalling start to the, to the league season. 20 games, we lost 11, drew 5, and won just 4. Combined with another early FA Cup exit, it was deemed it had gone on long enough. Max, Daryl left in December. His success at Rovers speaks for itself, but do you, after all these months, believe it was the correct decision? I think it was, yeah. I mean, we've spoke about it countless times over the over the course of the season since Graham came in. You could just see that that um, both Starnes and Daryl were, were right in what they said at Daryl's departure that we just need to shake shake things up and freshen things up and uh, I think with Daryl he just became disillusioned and we could see how frustrated he was um, and it just was influencing the team and, and the mood in camp and, and we did need a new face in with some new ideas and some new tactics um, and a new sort of uh, structure that we didn't really have before and it, I think it was the right decision because I, I do think whilst he may have kept us up I think we needed to go in a new direction and, and Daryl had become a bit tired of the club. And while it was sad, I think no one can really argue with, with how we've done this season considering how bad a position we were in when he left. Is this kind of... Do you think you've got there after this amount of time? Do you think you've kind of been able to think back and now you think it was the right decision in hindsight? Or I, I don't think I've ever thought it was the wrong decision. There's no point where where during the season or even now at the end of the season, where I've thought, you know what, we should have kept him. I, I, I genuinely don't. I, I think it would have got worse. It was, you could just see the cloud over the club and the cloud. And it, it's not necessarily his fault. It's just the way things culminate. And it's like a downward spiral and things got worse and worse. And you you do need a bounce, a new manager bounce, to, to, to jumpstart you back to life a little bit. Um, and, and, and Graham thankfully gave us that. And... Whilst it's sad because Dow was obviously a great guy, um, I, th- I think it was the right decision. Let's uh, just, um, I think, I just hope it is next season. You know, I, th- I think it's it was such a painful one, um, given as I said, you know, a great man that has given us two promotions and, frankly, some of the best memories that any Rovers fan that I know will probably ever have. You know, it's uh, it's hard to live up to, but I think Mets all this time. Have you got over it emotionally? Because I think that's what it is. I think a lot of people. It was thinking with the heart rather than the head. I mean, I've just told you the 20 games, lost 11, that kind of... I didn't realise the record was that bad, to be honest. That's um, league games, I should say. Yeah. 
well, our cup runs aren't anything special, are they? We normally go out to a non-league. First round of the FA Cup. I should have yeah, thrown that as, in there. as per usual. Um, How many wins in that as well? Do you know? Four, 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 four wins in twenty. Jeez, absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Um, yeah, it was the right decision. I agree with Max at the time. Thought it was the right decision. Nothing since has changed my mind. Um, but still, at the end of the season, if Graham had gone off to Plymouth like he was linked, I would have had Daryl back in a in a heartbeat, just completely head over uh, heart over head. I miss him now. Like, I gotta be honest. I'd, I'd love to see a, a press conference. You know, dust ourselves down, go again. I, <laughs> I'd, I'd kill for that. So I will be subscribing to the Walsall YouTube channel to watch his press conferences. <laughs> I, I probably will actually. I um, on that note, Walsall are really going for the promotion on this, aren't they? I mean, like, I mean, marketing promotion. I've seen pictures of Daryl on their social media oh, yeah. every twenty seconds since uh, they uh, and on the motorway flyover as well. They've uh, got him on the big sign. I couldn't tell if that was. Like um, photoshopped? No, it's real. Oh, it was real. Yeah, apparently wow. it's real. It's their wow. it's their advertising board, so they can. Oh crap! Yeah, they got their own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. obviously that, that got advertising board is theirs. Of course they have, yeah. So that's how they make a lot of their revenue. The uh, the Walsall podcast I was talking to last week was saying that that they make a profit every year rather than a loss because of that advertising. Um, so yeah, they, I reckon they just whacked it up there because. You know they can. I'm not sure the uh, locals would be too happy if we banged a huge billboard next to like. Just on, um, on the, the road. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, maybe people will be able to see the new screen from the road. I'll get in touch with Goran as we speak. <laughs> Always worth it. Um, yeah, you st- so you're still waking up in a, in a cold sweat in the night, you know, thinking about Daryl, rocking back and forth. Yeah, and absolutely. And him. Yeah, I, I do massively miss him. I, that's it. Yeah. I really miss him. Misses motivational speeches more than anything. It really and, it's the kind of thing you want to wake up in the morning and like just play a play an old copy of his interview and think Yeah, and it's like pithy I'll answers and all that and he just yeah So just, dry as he yeah. was so dry. <laughs> like I don't listen really to Graham's um post match interviews at all just cuz I don't really find them very interesting whereas Daryl's I'd, I'd listen to every single one. But alas, we are all in agreement it was the correct decision and I think that's mainly do we think that was the right decision for I want to say that for I everyone. think it was it was the right decision for everyone, right? I mean, yeah, it was. He yeah. needed a break, and I think what I'd add to what you said is, I would have probably had him back if Graham had gone to Plymouth because I feel like he just needed to recharge his batteries, which is actually, funnily enough, something he used to say in interviews all the bloody time. I think, <laughs> but I think I think he just needed a bit of time off, go on holiday, yeah, just calm down a little bit. You know, he's, he looks he, so much healthier now if you look at pictures of him. His yeah. grey hair's gone, and he, he yeah. just looks in better shape and mental health as well the old daryl has returned yeah. and i think it's not surprising i imagine he had a bloody stressful time yeah no doubt yeah i, I, I wouldn't be surprised if um a good trip in the bahamas on his severance pay that we <laughs> used to offload him would uh... Fair, it would it would improve my feelings as well <laughs> um were there any standout moments that kind of you realized it wasn't going to work for daryl here um well moments in terms of like, in like the, when times during the season that you thought that it was his time was up essentially yeah um there are a couple of moments but probably Gillingham at home for me um that was probably the last straw so to speak um I, th- I think that was about the fifth or sixth time that season where, I, where a home game had come up and I said that's a must-win game now because we've lost the last two, three to relegation sides. That one is a must-win, and we lost it again, and in embarrassing fashion as well. They wiped the floor with us uh, with some good football, and um, I think that was the game where I thought 
this can't continue. If we can't beat these kind of sides at home, the likes of um, Gillingham, Southend, Scunthorpe, Warsaw, Accrington, then we really don't stand a chance because we the, the second half of the season, our fixtures were decidedly, decidedly tougher because mm. we had a lot of good sides at home and the bottom half of sides away where they're going to be scrapping for every point on their own turf. So it just felt like that Gillingham game, I thought, this isn't going to get any better. We're hitting rock bottom and I'm not sure I trust him with the January window. I think it was December time, that match. And um, it just felt like that was the game. I'd said countless times it's a must must win because we've lost all these and then we lost it and I thought well you know I can't see where the next win's coming from at the minute so it almost did feel like that game was the moment where time was up for me I'd also add in the um, Wickham game at home when we lost 2-1 because that was another one where I think it was on a it might have even been in the same run where it was a must win Wickham Wickham was that we we lost Wickham 1-0 and Coughlin yeah, under Coughlin. Oh, was Coughlin. Yeah, yeah, you're getting you're getting your disappointing home wins. <laughs> that home was disappointing, but that up. was under Coughlin. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, yeah. you're joking. They've well, all just blown into one for you. They have blown into one. I Clearly improved. Massively. That was after we beat Oxford two 0 away and then went home and just lost to <laughs> lost. To I'll save you your blushes, and I'll just Thank say you. my um the moment that I re- basically accepted that it was probably times up. Um, was the 4-0 loss to Doncaster. I mean, I yeah. say that like it's a surprise, but obviously it's not, you know. I think I that don't preceded remember the being... Gillingham game, didn't it? That was a week or two later. I thought I thought the um, Doncaster game was his final game. Yeah, yeah it was. But was I mean, one. there was the, the Gillingham one, and then we had, I think, the Barnet loss in the oh, cup. Yeah, yeah. And then we had Doncaster at home, yeah, I think, so Don- lost that 4 The, the Barnet loss was kind of a, okay, there's a problem here. They're not playing for him. And then the Doncaster loss was kind of just completely yeah. fell to pieces. And I don't remember that happening too much under Daryl so it was kind of a and that was kind of where I started to think okay maybe he's not the man to take us forward and you know it was incredibly painful to say but you know I kind of and obviously everyone behind the scenes agreed so and Daryl himself as well yeah presumably yeah by by the language he used but yeah Mm. with that Doncaster game I actually didn't go to that because by that point I'd already given up on that Daryl team and Daryl and I was just fed up and I had better things to do on a Saturday. So I think by that point, I'd already decided that his time was up for me. What and are the not, better things you have to do on a Saturday? Yeah, uh, watch, paint, these watch paint dry, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what it was. I think I was just going out with some mates instead or something. <laughs> Who were these mates? Yeah. <laughs> like, what was this? What was this other secret life that you've got? It's <laughs> quite depressing for me. Um, I've got written down that there are only two moments under Daryl this season where I actually thought we might have a chance of improving and those were the Coventry home win 3-1 mid-September yeah um that was kind of like okay we can turn the corner now and build on it and also early November when we pumped Blackpool 3-0 away oh yeah that was nice um Cufflin actually beating them 4-0 at home instead so really the 3-0 was just you know just a one-up it wasn't up to scratch really um Mets were there any moments that you kind of thought Daryl Time to go. Um, yeah, the Donny game was massive. Um, just, it, I wouldn't say there was any like one moment. It kind of seemed to come on quite gradually with him getting a, like more touchy in his interviews, more attacky to the board, and the football just getting worse. And also sticking with Payne and Nichols up front, just, just kind of like really not um, what's the word like stubbornly Stubborn, yeah. sticking with them, even though they weren't scoring. 
and we weren't playing well either. They weren't playing well. And whenever kind of Riley would get a chance, he'd look a right and Kubiak would look a right. He just still stuck with Payne and Nichols for God knows whatever reason. It just, yeah, it just stank of, like Max was saying, kind of like just got stale and he just kind of got stuck in his way, like in a rut kind of thing and couldn't kind of just look up and think, well, this isn't working. I'll try something else, like a formation change or mm. whatever. The kind of stuff that Graham then eventually did come in and do. So there's obviously... The squad was capable of it. He just couldn't put the pieces together quite right. How much do you think the recruitment was responsible for our survival? For well, quite the opposite. Oh, um, you mean the, the summer for the issues in the first half of the season? Um, yeah, significantly. And general falling away. Yeah, yeah, that would that was that was the downfall. I think the the recruitment, and I think it was a case of losing over the past two three years the likes of Mansell. Um, McChrystal, Brown, your leaders in the dressing room, you know, the the heart and soul of the club almost, who have been through the highs and lows and they know what the manager's about, they know what the team's about and they know what the fans are about and they get the club. And those kind of players are so important. And when we lost the likes of Brown and, and even Harrison to an extent um, in the summer, it was tough to, to, to bring in players who would instantly fit fit the glove. And um, I think we got it wrong with Payne massively. I think he didn't want to come in the first place, judging by what the Shrewsbury newspaper was saying. He quite liked it up in Shrewsbury with his family. He's shown that since. Yeah. Well. He's, he's taken every chance he can to argue on He's, he's been on Instagram this week, and he? Rowing with some kiddie. Yeah. Having a good summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the while we're paying his wages. Um, and the likes of... Uh, I like Rodman. I, I don't. I'm not going to assume that he didn't get on with Daryl. But Daryl didn't play him very much. I'm not sure if that was because of injury or if he didn't he go on with Rodman. Didn't start well, regardless of what reason that was for. Yeah, I think well he did have a few personal issues, didn't he? Mm. So I'll, I'm giving Robin the benefit of the doubt. Um, Upson didn't particularly play well under Daryl. So you've got three players there who he brought in on probably high wages, um, who don't know Daryl and they don't know everything he's been through with the club. He's just a manager who on face value, is quite an arrogant manager. So if you've got this manager coming in and, and, and telling you what to do and in a, in a way that you're not comfortable with and you don't get that mentality, then it can cause problems because, you know, mm-hmm. let's face it, quite a few opposition fans don't like Daryl because of the things he said about their club in in mm-hmm. press conferences and he is a bit of a wind-up merchant, isn't he? So yeah. <laughs> and we love surprise him for me. it. Yeah, yeah, we love him for it, but it wouldn't surprise me if some of these new boys coming in just didn't get on with him and... Mm. I have no idea. I'm not going to like assume that that's the case, but at least with pain, I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Um, but and and the, the players that I mentioned did massively improve after Daryl left. For whatever reason, I don't know if that's a coincidence, but yeah, you could definitely say that if he'd recruited better, back to his old tactics of non-league players, up-and-coming players, hungry players, then we wouldn't be in this situation because the players he brought in seemed to be just, you know. I wouldn't. I don't like the term mercenaries, but just came for a wage, didn't they? I'm gonna. Something you touched upon there was kind of losing the leaders and the characters in the dressing room and bringing in, frankly, Stefan Paynes, who, you know, he's not going to be in the pool on holiday. He's going to be led on the sunlight show, um, as he has been all season. Um, I've jumped forward to a question here because it's very relevant. Mets, I'm going to direct it at you. Okay. Ollie Nino sent it in. Um, hey. We wish you were here. Um, he says, with lines, locks, and sinks leaving, how important is it that we bring in good characters this summer, not just good players? Yeah, massively. Um, like Max was saying, we've lost 
all the kind of characters and all the players that had come through from the kind of conference and League Two seasons, those kind of ones that us as fans had like a really strong bond with. Now mm. I kind of look at the pitch and I look at the players and I'm not really, I don't feel like an affinity to very many of them, not like I did in previous seasons. Um, and it does make a big difference. I think that group, especially the League Two promotion group, were just so tight and they were better, bigger than the sum of their parts kind of, yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, they, none of them, you'd say, were the best in their position in the league, except for maybe Matty Taylor. But then all of them together and the camaraderie and all that kind of stuff got them over the line. So, yeah, it is massive that you have those uh, personalities, but it's difficult because you can't really recruit a, po- a personality, someone based on their personality. It's got to be football first, hasn't mm. it, really? Well, I think Graham has also alluded to the fact that it is about, you know, the characters and you kind of need to do a lot of research into their background, get lots of references and stuff because they do need to be the right kind of people. And you might you might sign a 21-year-old player that's, you know, from non-league or League 2 that hasn't really lit it up. But if you know they're mentally going to be pushing themselves as hard as they can every day, you're more likely to get a good player, Max. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's, it is... Uh, you were saying their Mets' ability before before character but I think Daryl historically has always looked at character first if the player doesn't want to play for the club mm. get lost that's that's always been his mentality and right back to non-league when he had players in he was saying to us I think was it to us or publicly I can't remember when publicly was, it was yeah I think it was publicly when he was saying um I had this player in x he wanted this much money I said, okay, but uh, this, this, this. And the player said, well, I want a bit more money. And it's like, well, it's about the money. It's not about, mm. you don't want to be here to play for the club. You just want to be here to earn money. You don't, you're not here to improve as a player. You're not here to improve our team. I think that's probably so, where Daryl kind of fell to pieces, really, yeah, in recruitment, wasn't yeah. it? Is when you get when to the that other point where the money does matter. And yeah. it's like, okay, realistically, you're not going to get people. Like when you're in the conference, you're going to get Lee Mansells that go, okay, I do want to go to Bristol Rovers and I really want to, you know, that's the club that I can go in and we can really achieve something special. But in League One, like realistically speaking, if you're a top half League One standard player, you're really unlikely to look at Rovers and think, okay, I really want to go there because we can do something special in League One. Yeah. You've got you've got to be able to sell a dream and a half to for them to believe that. Yeah, definitely, and it's it became a bit of a problem, didn't it? Eventually, mm. and uh, coming up against the likes of Blackburn, who have got players on twenty grand a week, and now Sunderland with, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous wage budget, which they're a big club. So what are you going to do? You know, mm. we've hit our ceiling in terms of where we are as a club, in terms of size, and we can't compete financially. So we're going to have to compete um, as a team, and like Met said, be better than the sum of our parts, and that's the only way we're going to improve because it's not going to be through budget so let's look for the right players and not just the right players the right managers um following dc's exit graham cufflin took over in the interim a man that was relatively unknown throughout the fan base i think most thought his ambitions to keep the job in the early days they thought we were on another planet essentially after an impressive performance albeit losing at sunderland the lads strung three wins on the trot together drawing the next as graham was given the job on a two and a half year deal in early january Mets, was he right to be given the job? It was only four games. Yeah. Um, I mean, with hindsight, yeah, he kept us up, so he probably was right. But we were all shocked that he got two and a half year deal because we were kind of like, well, just give it him to the end of the season and then if we stay up. But I assume he would have had a pretty major relegation clause 
i.e. we could have got rid of him for free. But I think, I can't remember which one of you two said it before, if you're a manager and you've only got a six-month contract, what player is going to want to sign for you, knowing yeah. that in six months you might be on out the door as well? Um, we've all had a... Well, I've still got my doubts about Graham because I, I don't know what kind of style he's going to aim for next season, what kind of players he's looking to bring in. Um, we've been rumoured... Uh, kind of uh, linked with some Coventry players again. Uh, they look all right, to be fair, in the positions we need. But plug the scout report. Plug the scout report. Yeah, if you if you want to listen, uh, hear some more about Tom Davis and Jack Grimmer, uh, we've got a scout report on the site. Um, I talked to, can't remember his name, Laurie from <laughs> the Lonely Season pod, um, and he tells gives us the uh, the inside scoop on those guys. So that's quite good. Um, yeah, apart from that, we haven't really been linked with anyone else, and he hasn't really come. Not that I've heard anyway, I'm, I'm pretty ignorant, so he hasn't come out and said, I want to be playing high-press football, I want to be getting out to the wings, or I want to be doing this. It's just kind of, yeah, I want us to be playing good football. He did, he did come on the um, on Radio Bristol the other the other day and say he wanted to play high-press wing play. Yeah, did yeah. he? Yeah, pretty much exactly, exactly what, what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't he, listen to it. Yeah, he, want, he wants to play high-press with... Um, good quick technical wingers who get lots of crosses into Clark Harris and another goal scorer um, but the only concern with that is if you're playing high press then you need quick centre backs and Tony Craig is not quick and I would hope that whoever we bring in will add another dimension to our to our back line and it does assume that Clark Harris is going to be here, here next season uh, he will be I'm pretty I'm very confident he will be I was, I was thinking this through the other day actually because we've got him on a long contract no champion if any championship club wanted to take a punt on him over the summer of it qpr linked they're gonna have to pay a f- pretty hefty wedge for him where they could maybe get another striker he's on the Tommy's last year of the yeah on a free exactly yeah. so it doesn't really make that much sense but i wouldn't be surprised come the last like week of the transfer window someone shits themselves basically in the championship mm-hmm. and says right we'll pay 1.5 or 2 million for you mean it. like we did to shrewsbury for Stephen <laughs> Pay. exactly yeah <laughs> the thing is with that is because because it's the last week of the window we can actually be like you know we can demand three four million you know, but if we you won't really, but we won't no we'll accept the first offer <laughs> yeah, that comes we'll through 200 grand but yeah. johnson will say i want to stay <laughs> <laughs> we're actually in a good position for once um with a contract i would hope so yeah let's see so it means we're in the market now for well we've got rodman on the right we've got potentially matthews on the left and he'll bring in someone else like why yeah mensa still to come back we still need probably at least one more at least one more winger yeah and they're not going to come cheap that's the problem mm. unless we go for lower leagues which i can 100 percent see us doing because apparently we've got budget cuts and all that kind of stuff so i don't know max the form was impressive to start didn't seem like a lot of fans took to him though why as a person yeah well it's, i think he's a bit of a he's seen as a bit of a pulis ball kind of manager just mm. you sort of grind out the results forget about the how good or entertaining the football is um and fans sort of don't like that um and again with the whole treatment of chris lines saga as well he seemed to rub a few people off the wrong way one eye on the Plymouth job as well. So it's, 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 it's all a bit silly, really, isn't it? I mean, a man who a year ago was a defensive coach at Southend came to us in the summer, somehow ended up manager, 
and uh, now in the summer it's, it's almost been like he's almost looking for a better job or a, a different job and it's like hang on you've mm. been a manager five minutes and you're in a man- you're a manager of a higher division so why are you looking at other jobs um, do so you I'd- think it was also the fact that we lost Daryl who as we've I mean our reaction just then we've probably spent 20 minutes talking about how much we love <laughs> and aren't over losing Daryl do you think that plays a part in people not necessarily taking to Graham maybe yeah maybe so it's hard to say really I mean they are big boots to fill but the immediate results were good people sort of took to him initially because he was quite funny in his post-match interviews as well uh, going on about Sunderland and 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 the like um, he's just a humorous guy and and he seemed to bring a little bit of a good mood back to the camp but results dried up a little bit February, March time, didn't they? Um, mm. A few bad results there. And the football just wasn't entertaining. And I think people have their doubts over him because lack of experience, not entertaining football. And now the saga with Lions and the Plymouth job, um, people are thinking, well, if you don't want to be here, then go. Um, because you actually aren't the best mm. choice out there. But I think we've got to be realistic. He's he's going to be here next season. Um, of that, I'm ve- very confident. So let's just give him a chance and see how it goes because really there's not a lot better managers out there now really uh, with Hurst gone and um, a few others picking up jobs. The line saga, was it's just bizarre. It's absolutely mental. Why not just say, why not just give him 10 minutes, which is what he did anyway, give him 10 minutes on the last game and just say nothing about it. He gets mm. his hero send off, everyone's happy. But to create this kind of like row... It, it's all it just kind of smacks of naivety really i mean he mm. might have been pissed off with lines he didn't play him hardly at all and the way he was talking about you know he wanted players in the trenches and like i don't think lines is that player anyway but graham obviously didn't think so either so it kind of it's like he's frozen him out and then he's decided to also then have a dig at him in public just mm. it's just it didn't it, everyone looked bad in it that was the problem. Lyons got pissy on Twitter and that, and then Graham's come out in his interviews and been a div, and there's no need for it. I, it just it served no purpose. I think the word that you said then was naivety. I think that's kind of he's not the kind of manager I expected to be like that though. I thought he would. I I kind of saw him as being hot headed, but not necessarily in a in a way in the media. You know, I thought he'd be hot headed as in he'd walk out of the press room, not go in there trying to shoot shots at bloody Linesy for his Twitter comments. Yeah. Um, I think a particularly pivotal moment was the last minute winner from James Clark in front of the Blackthorn and I say that I'm just looking for excuses to shoehorn the main man's name in <laughs> um, Mets how vital was that moment massive absolutely massive yeah because we went one nil down as well didn't we mm. and at that point I thought maybe this is where we really go on just completely crumble it really really was awful like we weren't playing good football anyway but then with throwing everything at Fleetwood, it's kind of like just think, oh, it's not going to happen, and then it loops up. Hammers just slides in left footed, cool as you like. What ninety second, ninety third minute? Unbelievable scenes, limbs, everything, fantastic. And it really did feel like at that point, I'd gone from yeah, we're definitely down to mm, I feel like we'll be all right. It's like a complete swing in just one goal. It was so pivotal. It was unreal. And Max, did it show that the team were were behind Graham? Yeah, it did. You could you could t- tell from the celebrations they were jumping in the crowd and uh, jumping on James as well. And it did feel like that was the turning point. That was that was the res- that was his first win, wasn't it? Because that was the game after the Sunderland game. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
So that was that was a massive, massive moment to get that first win and in what felt like ages at home. Um, was it the first home win since the Wimbledon must match? Because yeah. that Wimbledon game was dreadful. I can't imagine. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember a game, us winning a game 2-0, me being so pissed off at full time mm. because we were the worst side by a mile and we'd lucked two goals. And before that was the Coventry win, which was like the sixth or seventh game of the season, very mm. early. So it'd been a long time since we'd had a win at the Mem. And, you know, like you said, 20 games under Daryl, 11 losses. It was the the morale as a fan. You just didn't want to go to the Mem at all. So to go there and get a 93rd minute winner, it just felt like Rovers were back, you know, you know just those mm. joyous moments. Mm. Uh, that we were used to under Daryl. So many late winners under Daryl at, at the Mem. And it, it was good to have that back and that did feel like a real turning point. And it was an important goal because you could tell the team were like, right, come on then. Come on then, we can mm. do it from that moment. Well, you touched upon the, the poor record under Daryl then. That's lost 11, drew 5, won 4 in 20. Uh, following the appointment of Graham, so not including that early decent run, his record was six wins, nine draws, and five losses from 20 games. So two more wins, lots more draws, a lot less losses. Um, Max, any standout moments? Um, the, the standout moment for me under Coughlin was probably the Bradford win. Um, pr- because that pretty much confirmed our safety, that win. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a huge, huge game uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and it was, again, a, a game where we went behind, mm-hmm. brought it back, went ahead, and then at the death, went level 2-2. And it just felt like, great, we've, we've, we really are our own worst enemies against a side who are bottom of the league, who are a really poor side. And we've been grinding out results and we almost played it too safe and, and too defensive in that game and then cost ourselves and then just got the other end last minute and score. And it was like, that's my Rovers, you know, didn't give up, never say die. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, obviously it was a bit of good fortune because obviously it was Johnson Clark Harris's ability that, that did it rather than a collective team. Um, but, you know, it was a pivotal moment because... That was the moment I knew we'd be okay, and I knew we weren't going down. So it it was huge. We could almost breathe a sigh of relief and enjoy those last three games after that. I'd say my standout moment would probably be the last gasp equaliser against Plymouth. Um, I think I think it's mainly because, like you say, it kind of touches upon the you've got the Rovers that you know back. You know, not the bad one, not the one that doesn't build <laughs> stadiums and pisses you off every single weekend, but the one that, like, okay, you're not that great. But you still kept plugging away. And in the 90th minute, your fairly average Scottish striker gets a touch on it. It goes in the back of the net and you smash your shins on the chair and you don't really give a shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of my favourite moment. Mets, you got any? Um, i say Sunderland away, actually. Um, obviously, the first game of Graham um, away at one of the best teams in the league. And we played so bloody well. Like, completely different change of... Um, tactics looking in behind with Kubiak he looked amazing what he didn't score but you know he was absolutely outrageous that he was he was ridiculous and then even even then when we were 2-1 down Stefan Payne pops up and hits the crossbar as well like right at the death and we're just like I, I came away from that game thinking like we we can definitely stay up if we play like that for the rest of the season we can stay up and I don't well obviously we did but 
we didn't play like that for the rest of the season. We didn't play nearly that good for the rest of the season, but it was amazing. A solid gift that goes around of me with my top off swinging it about when we scored the goal. That well. was the yeah the limbs everyone with their tops off. That was nice because it was like minus three as well, mm. and we got. You remember the ice ice rain when we come out? Yes, oh, that yeah. was horrendous. God, it was we had like to take stabbed. refuge in Tesco. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird. We did one. fire and ice. That was yeah. <laughs> Little Game of Thrones. Little Game of Thrones. Oh, I watched it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, yeah, we've gone over Graham. Um, I think we can all say that we're hoping it's going to be, you know, he's going to build on that and next season we're going to push on. Um, the aftermath, the retained list. I mean, we had to say goodbye to a few players that we loved in order to look forward. Let's touch upon a few of those. Um, I'll start with Stuart Sinclair because today's news is that he signed for DC at Walsall. Um, try and hold back the tears. I'm going to start with Mets because I know there will be tears. Um, Stuart Sinclair's gone. I know, I love him. I still love him. Um, I won't ever stop loving him. <laughs> sounds like you're writing a song. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a good move for, obviously, he's done well by Daryl and Daryl's done well by him. So it seems like a good um, a good fit for him. And dropping down to League 2, it'll be an absolute menace at that level. And he should play pretty much the entire season. Um, do I want to see him playing red in red for another team? Absolutely not. I'd much rather he had like some kind of player coach deal here. Like we all said at the um, a few weeks ago, we'd have him on as a coach, and I still would if if and when he stops playing. I'd love him to come back to Rovers, but he'll probably just want to go fishing and live in his caravan and all that kind of stuff. So he doesn't have a caravan. He has a nice little cottage by the river. No, he's probably like in my head. He's got a caravan. And but most of the time he lives in the woods with the animals, <laughs> and then the caravan's just there because you know he needs to keep his football boots somewhere. <laughs> and then when he retires, he's just going to get rid of the caravan and just live fully as some kind of caveman in maybe a swamp. Like just doing like yeah. specific yoga, to, like you know that yoga. I don't know much about yoga. I was going to say something then, but I don't know what what people do in yoga. But like balancing on his head and such. that's definitely what you do in yoga. <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's what, any yoga fans out there. I apologise for my lack of. Please write in and tell us what poses it is. <laughs> but like one with nature and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm already missing him. I really am. Just going to take a brief pause there because we have been going for 30 minutes. This is going to be a pretty long episode, so we're going to take a break. Um, I'm going to go do some fishing like Stuart Sinclair, <laughs> um, and Tom can get some tissues and wipe up his tears. So we'll be back soon um, and we'll continue going through the retained list. We'll get on to some awards and, well, that's about it. Cheers. Gascast, a Bristol Rovers fans podcast.